1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. If you have the sermon notes, if you go to our app and look at the sermon notes, you'll see <clears throat> the title is Apollos Must Die. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's metaphor, but it is true that there is an Apollos that's happening inside of the church in Corinth. And Corinth has began following everyone and everything outside of Jesus. And it's wreaking major havoc inside of the church. So Paul, in writing this letter, and scholars will tell you, Bible commentators will tell you, everything in the book of Corinthians, first and second, hinges on this opening argument, okay? So this is the framework of context that you need. If you read 1 Corinthians 2 through 15 or 2 Corinthians 1 through, I think it's 10 chapters, 1 through 10, uh, anything that you read in those books is going to be seen through this lens of argument, okay? So shall we? Apollos must die. Come on, what has to happen to Apollos? He's got to die, and he dies today. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17. I just feel like we should like scream something like, this is Sparta, right? Like Apollos will die today. All right, enough messing around. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Let there be no divisions in the church. Let there be no one creating divisions in the church. Rather, and I told you I'm not mad. I'm not, I'm not. Prevention, not recovery. Okay, here we go. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind united in thought and purpose. Verse 11, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Apollos, he's got to die today. I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Great question. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Then he goes on to say, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, for now no one can say they were baptized in my name. That is a statement of disgust and frustration. He is saying, I thank God that I don't have a spiritual heritage with you or else you'd make it about me. It's like, I can't get you to, do, to make this about anything but Jesus, and you're going to make it about you, or you're going to make it about Paul, or you're going to make it about who baptized you, or who led worship that morning, or who you're, is, is leading your kids' room, or the welcome team, or whatever. He's like, just making things about everybody but the most important thing. So he continues on, verse 16, oh yes, I also baptized the house of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. Verse 17, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. When I was uh, in school, I, I still am, but when I was in like real school, primary and secondary school, right? Um, 
<laughs> that's not a knock on college. I've been in college for way too long. But uh, when I was in elementary school, middle school, high school, I wasn't a great kid. Um, I know that's a shocker to you, right? I know you're thinking I was in NHS and part of the debate team and captain of the chess club and everything else, but um, unfortunately, I wasn't. I got into significant amounts of trouble. And uh, one of my shining moments of leadership, I still remember it as clear as day, uh, was when I had reached a point where I was fed up with school lunches, okay? Our school lunches were terrible. I'm talking terrible. It is not like today. I went to lunch with my son. They had Big Daddy Pizza Day. That was the jam. I was like, man, Big Daddy can deliver some pizza, right? Like, not, not, in, not in my day. We had prison chow for school lunch, right? Like, this was not good stuff at all, and we just got fed up with it. We were, we were tired of it. All my friends were talking about it. I said, I got an idea. We'll change things in one day. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to order some pizzas, Tell everybody, throw in five bucks, we will not eat school lunch, we'll all sit down at the start of lunch, and then when the pizza delivery guy shows up, I'll give him the cash, we'll take the pizzas, and then we will all chant, we want better lunches, we want better lunches. And they're like, yes, this is how change happens, people. So we started, and we got ready, and we, we ordered the pizzas, we had everything set up, and lunch came, and we all, the entire, my entire class is 95 people, sat down, and we were all sitting at the lunch tables, we weren't moving, they're like, okay, guys, lunch line's open, y'all can go, and like, nobody's moving whatsoever, everyone's sitting at the tables, and we're just waiting, and then all of a sudden, like, the cafeteria was a shared common space, and the front doors of the school were right here, and all the administrators sat in the very, very back, like, there was a couple counselors and, like, the assistant principal, there wasn't very many of them there, they were all sitting back there, and all of a sudden, these pizza guys show up at the window, and it was like, okay, Now's the moment. Went back, pushed the door open, handed him cash. It's like, thank you. I took him. My buddies and I started handing out pizzas. By that time, the administrator, like, they didn't know what to do. Their minds were exploding. They were like, no, shut the doors. Give me those pizzas. Stop what's happening. Like, they, they couldn't fix it to save their lives. It, it, had just, it had just happened. It was over with, right? Pizzas were circling around the lunchroom. Everyone was chanting, we want better lunches. We want better lunches. And I was standing in the middle like, this is it. I give you liberty. I give you freedom. (laughs) Never forget it. Then on the intercom, it said, Luke Cunningham, please come to the office. Luke Cunningham, please come to the office. And I went in there, and Wayne Burke, who... Uh, It was our principal. Gosh, I love Wayne Burke. He was like the greatest principal of all time. He did give me two days ISS for that. But um, he sits down and and I'm looking at him. And he said this to me. I'll never forget it. He said, Luke, he said, you've got leadership skills. (laughs) I hope he watches online sometime. He said, Luke, you've got leadership skills. But right now, You're just a rebel without a cause. And he said, when you figure out the difference, that's when you'll make one. He said, when you figure out the difference between 
being a leader and just being a rebel, an absolute rebel without a cause. And, and when we read 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 17, you need to know that the church in Corinth at the time was Paul's most explosive, influential congregation, right? They thought they were leading the way spiritually. And what Paul is saying to them is, you guys think you're leaders, but really you're just rebels without a cause, you're just running rogue and you're following everything but the most important thing. And because of it, it's creating divisions, distractions, and problems within the church. And weaved into this, he gives them three things to focus on to fix this problem. Remember, prevention, not recovery. We don't have this problem. We're going to prevent this problem. And, and let me give you this. this. This passage of scripture contextually is dealing with the church, but it applies universally to the Christian life. You can take these things that will clean up the church and you can apply them to your home and they will clean up your home. You can take these things that will clean up the church and you can apply them to your family and they will clean up your family. You can apply them to your marriage, they'll clean up your marriage. You can apply them to every area of your life and when you do, they will clean it up. So here is Paul and here is the remedy. Number one, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 verse 10. He says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love how he inserts that. In other words, he is saying, I am the final word on this subject. Hear me. I'm appealing to you by the authority been given to me by Christ. Listen to what he calls them to do. Live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Listen to him in Philippians 2, 1 through 2. Paul tells the church in Philippi, is there any encouragement for belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. We got Colossians 3, 14 through 15, but I love this. In every single one of Paul's letters to the church, he calls them to unity. In every single letter, if you read every letter that he wrote to the church, he calls them to a unified body, to a body of oneness of mind, of oneness of purpose. Colossians 3, 14 through 15, he says, above all, this is the highest, above anything and everything that you could pursue, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Back to what Paul said at the very beginning when he's trying to clean up a ton of problems inside of the Corinthian church. He says you have to have one purpose. You cannot be divided in purpose. You can't have multiple purposes. You, multiple visions is the vision. We understand that, right? Like if, if you got a vision for this and you got a vision for this and you got a vision for this and you got a vision for this, multiple visions is the vision. He's calling them to a united purpose, a purpose of oneness, that the body should come together. And the power in us and among us should be greater than the things that are happening around us. Can we make it sting a little bit? 
if you vote Republican and somebody else votes Democrat and you can't come together and sit on the same row shoulder to shoulder and worship Jesus with passion, there is a problem. There is a problem. Because what you are saying is my allegiance to a political party is higher than the person that we should be both worshiping. Therefore, I can't be connected. He's saying, no, no, it's not the case. You should be in harmony. You should be in oneness. And the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts should overrule all of the things that divide us. Should overrule all of the things that frustrate us, that make us mad at each other, that we see on social media and we see on the news. He's saying the peace of Christ above all else should rule so that we can be of one heart and one mind, united in thought and purpose. When a purpose is divided, so are the people. When a purpose is divided, so are the people. Which means, this is the same for the church. If we show up here and some people are here because they're friends with somebody and some people are here because someone else told them to and some people are here because they're looking for an opportunity. And some people, When we come together, we have to understand, and we say this all the time, our purpose is to lead people into the presence of God. We have come together collectively as a body to worship God and to give him glory and to transform together, to experience transformation together so that we can go on Monday and do the same thing individually in the community and mission that God has placed us in. It's our purpose. It's why we're here. We're getting filled up so we can form theology, so we can fight the devil, so we can fill our spirits. We're in here getting filled up so that we can go Monday and do the things and live the way that Jesus has called us to live. And if it's divided in here, it's never going to work out there. And there's only one purpose that can unite us, and that is the purpose of giving God glory and coming together to worship him. There was a study that was done. It was so interesting. I think it was Stanford University. I can't remember. I, I think I shared it with you a while ago. Um, they took structural engineers and they put them all together against a group of like fifth and sixth graders. And they gave them all of these foam blocks, these giant foam blocks. And they told them whoever builds the taller structure after 30 minutes is the winner. So like, okay, great. So they had all these kids on one side, and there was a wall dividing them so that they couldn't see each other. And then they had all of these structural engineers and architects and all of these other people on the other side, right? And they said, go. And after seven minutes, the kid's side was over eight feet tall. The architects and structural engineers hadn't even started. They were debating over whose, whose structural abilities and whose thoughts and who would make it. After 30 minutes, the kid's side was more than two times taller than the structural engineers and architects. They literally crushed them. And when they evaluated it, they did an analysis on it. They said the problem was one room was completely divided in vision and purpose. The other one understood the assignment, build a tall tower. Right? But isn't, isn't it crazy? Build a tall tower. I think we should use this over here as this right here. And then structurally, this will work. You know, it's like it just, it just all of a sudden gets so convoluted and all of the junk that you miss out on the main purpose. The main reason we're here. You're here. 
I'm here is to give him glory, is to worship him. It's the main reason we're here, which means if it doesn't compromise the main reason, don't let it fester. Don't let it boil. Don't let it bother. Don't let it distract. Don't let it create division. Don't let it, I had, this was years ago. I wasn't even planning on telling you this, but it's funny. Um, I had this guy who came up to me, and this, this wasn't even at this church, right? It was a different church. And he was literally leathered out, full leathers, top to bottom with the leather do-rag on, leather jacket. His motorcycle was so loud, I could hear it inside of the church in the lobby. Pulls in. He had, a, he had like a 10-inch blade on the side of his leg, this knife on the side of his leg. And he had sunglasses on the whole time, never took them off, carrying his motorcycle helmet. Came walking into the church, and he, he walked in, and then he came, and, and he, he walked up to me, and he said, you, you a pastor here? I said, yeah, depends. <laughs> what are you looking for right now? I said, yeah. And he said, hey. He said, you know, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I said, well, praise God. Okay. Great, me too. And he said, you know, uh, I felt like when I came in here that uh, there was a person at the front doors looking at me funny. And he said, you know, th that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't happen in the body. I don't know if I can come to church here because they were looking at me funny. I was like, bro, you got a 10-inch blade on your leg. You're in leathers top to bottom. You get spurs on, right? And you're on a motorcycle. Like, yes, of course someone's going to see you. And be like, wow, interesting. You know, like. Hey, praise God, right? But those little things, like he's literally said, I don't know if I can come to church here because someone looked at me funny because I was decked out like a biker with a 10-inch blade on my leg. It's like, bro, let it go. Let it go. It's been years. Now, every time you walk through the door, you're not going to be thinking about Jesus. You're going to be thinking about the person that you think was judging you. Get back to the purpose. The purpose is we're here to worship Jesus we're here to give God glory. We're here to transform together so that we can go out there individually and make a difference. The first thing Paul says to them is we have to get back to the purpose, which is being united in heart, united in thought, united in purpose. We know what we're called to do. Number two, we go from purpose to person. 1 Corinthians 1, 11 through 13. This, this is where things get interesting inside of the church because the church is people, right? Um, I, I use the term community of faith far more than I use church simply because church has become so synonymous with a building, so synonymous with a building, but the church is people. The church is the body of Christ. It is us, living, breathing organism. It is not an organization. It is an organism. It is a living, breathing organism organism. That is what the church is, right? But here's the tricky thing, because the church is people. But it has to be people who care far little about themselves and so much more about God. Because if the church is people who care way more about themselves than they do about God, you have problems. You have major problems. That sounds like a good quote. I'm sure somebody way smarter than me coined it first, but I do think we have a problem caring far too much about ourselves and not near enough about Jesus. Even in daily life, prayer life, things we Google, things that freak us out, care way more about ourselves than we do about Jesus. Anna and I talk about this all the time. Like, why did we Google it? Why don't we just pray about it? <laughs> why, did, why is the first thing we did try to find an Instagram account that'll give us the information that we need, right? No, let's just pray about it. 
Let's spend time in God's word. Let's care about him more and focus on him more. It's exactly what Paul is saying here. 1 Corinthians 1, 11 through 13. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Is he divided? Is he, is he mixed up here? And then he continues on, of course not. Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Listen to him in Galatians 3, 26 through 29. Different church, same message. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Again, same message. So now You Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are a collection of people. We are are building on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He has to be. He has to be the one person. It has to be all about him. I talked to my friend this past week, and I asked him his permission to say this, because um, this, is, this is an exchange we had a year or so ago. Um, he said to me, he knew I was going to be out of town, and he said, hey, and I know other, others of you have said this, and listen, it's flattering to my flesh. My flesh loves it, uh, but I'll tell you what, he said, hey, I know you're out of town next week, um, and since you're not going to be here, we're not going to be here. Like, hey, man, compliment to you. You know, you're preaching. I was like, man, they love me around here, right? <laughs> this is great. He said, if you're not going to be here, I'm not going to be here. And my flesh was flattered, but my spirit was deeply troubled, deeply troubled. And so I went to him. And I said, hey, I, I want to ask you a question. I said, can I, ha- can I have permission to make you mad? <laughs> He's a friend. And he said, yeah, sure. And I said, hey, you, what you said to me was, was kind, and I know you meant it as a compliment. But man, I sure hope that you don't come here because of me. I sure hope you don't come here because I'm the preacher. I sure hope that you don't come here because we have great worship. I sure hope that you don't come here because you love your small group leader. I, I, it burdens me. Birds, I'm out of town next week. I hope that all of you are here. And I hope you invite somebody to come with you. And I hope you fill this place up. Because this place is not about me. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. Christ is not divided into factions. This place is about Jesus. He is the one person we come together to collectively worship in this place. This is who it's all about. He is the one person that has to become our focus. That has, listen, if Jesus is first, you can't mess things up. If Jesus isn't first, you will face challenges your entire life. If Jesus is first, you cannot screw it up. If Jesus is not first, 
you will face challenge after challenge after challenge. It is just giving and attributing the wrong honor to the wrong thing. We have to, I love all of you. I look around and I see people that I have seen for years started with us from the very beginning. And I love you and I'm so thankful that you are here. And I hope if I get hit by a bus on the way home that you're here worshiping next week and the week after and the week after because we're replaceable, but he is not. So he has to be the focus. It has to be about Jesus. Christ is not divided into factions. And then let's finish here. 1 Corinthians 1, 14 through 17. He says, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, for now no one can say they were baptized in my name. Oh yes, also baptized in 17. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. In other words, Paul is saying there is one purpose, there is one person, and there is one power. There is one purpose, there is one person, there is one power. How do you clean up problems in a church? You get back to one purpose about one person who has all the power, one power. How do you clean up your home? One purpose, one person, one power. How do you clean up your marriage? One purpose, one person, one power. Paul's making it so crystal clear. He's saying, lest we do something and screw up the power that fuels this. Guys, flip to Philippians 3, 7 through 11. I'm going to skip the, the one I got there. We'll wrap up here. He says, I once thought, this is again Paul writing to the church in Philippi, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. It's one of my favorite verses, Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ and I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead. Paul is going back to the Corinthian church and he's telling him here in the Philippian church and he tells, him, he tells Titus again as he's coaching up Titus, listen, there has to be one power leading you and if it's not the power that's leading you, then you are investing in something that at the end of the day will give you no results. I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about the best Christmas movie of all time. We, we called it Home Alone, right? Um, well, I, I have to be honest with you, I lied a little bit on that. Uh, and I don't know why I've been on a Christmas movie kick recently. Um, Home Alone's a great movie, but I think the greatest Christmas movie of all time, I watch it nearly every year at Christmas time, is Christmas Vacation. Come on, come on. Christmas Vacation is classic. And now listen, there is a scene in Christmas Vacation where Clark, 
Griswold. He is, I mean, anyone know a Griswold? Anyone know? I, I live next door to a Griswold. I mean, the entire month of December, this guy wears Santa Claus sweatshirts. He has a Christmas watch. He's got Christmas pants. He holds Christmas parties. He brings Christmas cookies to my house. His house is decorated to the nines. I love it. It's great. He's a ton of fun. So Clark Griswold comes together, and it's the Griswold family Christmas, and he's getting ready to turn on his lights. And he's dedicated days and days of putting these lights together and preparing them. And I'll just, I'll just let him share it with you. You guys got the clip? Share the clip. Man, I hope you edited it. 50 strands of light, 100 individual bulbs per strand for a grand total of 25,000 imported Italian twinkle lights. Hey! 25,000. Well, I hope nobody I know drives by and sees me standing in the yard staring at the house in my pajamas. If they know your dad, they won't think anything of it. Fire it up, Dad! I dedicate this house to the Griswold family Christmas. Oh. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh, oh, uh. I was thinking about this and I was thinking about closing. I was thinking about what Paul says, lest we lose the power. Lest we lose the power. Let me tell you what scares me, what worries me, is that we would spend years building something with no power. That we would invest all of our time, all of our effort, all of our strength, all of our finance, everything, and, and then we would, and nothing would happen. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that pastor. I don't want to be that body. The, it, hell is too hot and the opportunity is too big. We have such an opportunity to make a difference, but we have to understand these three things. There is one purpose, there is one person, and there is one power. And those are the things that are unwilling to be compromised among our body. We can find agreement, disagreement, and love can cover a multitude of those things among us. But if we compromise the purpose, if we compromise the person, or we compromise the power, we're in trouble. Other side is true too. If we know what our purpose is, we know who the person is that we've come to worship. And we know where our power comes from. God is going to do a work like we'll never imagine. We will look back and we will encounter college students who've been transformed, families who have come back together, marriages that have been restored. We will see God do things we never imagined, but we have to know our purpose, who it's all about, and where our power comes from. Let's be that church. Come on, let's be that church. Let's be that church to say, I know exactly why I'm here. I know exactly who this is all about, and I know exactly where my power is coming from, and there's nothing stopping us.